advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and welcome back. I'm so excited to be upright, breathing and back with all of you. I, the rumors, you know, what's, what's the old saying? The rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Um, I, I have been gone for almost two weeks exactly now uh, because I tested positive for COVID and I had like, even though I was triple vaccinated, I, good morning, Susie, I had a pretty rough case of uh, COVID. So I'm so thrilled to be back. I'm, I'm not in full voice yet, but I'm testing negative finally. Uh, and I'm still doing the show from home um, so that I can get rest in between. But I'm thrilled to be back here with all of you. Listen, here's, here's the be all and end all. Today, we're talking about autism and the arts. And we're talking, we've got an amazing guest that we're going to show you a clip that we filmed two weeks ago before I got sick. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And we're going to be talking about autism in the arts. And you, you got to know that I am not well when I cannot rally to get out of bed to talk about autism in the arts for two weeks. <laughs> like that is, for me, that's, that's crazy talk, right? But uh, I'm well enough to today and my apologies to everyone for making you wait for two weeks, because this is important information that we're going to be giving you today all the way around. Um, talking about, uh, first, we're going to show you an interview that we pre-taped with Dr. Doreen Grampichet and Austin Butner, who is an amazing individual. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Autism Journey with Elijah. So thrilled that you're back too with us, that you guys didn't forget about us entirely. Thrilled that you guys are here. But anyway, um, Austin Butner is going to be sharing with us. He, of course, is a, an amazing gentleman. I'll, you'll see the introduction that I give in a second. He's done a lot of things in his life, not the least of which was being the uh, superintendent of LAUSD throughout the pandemic, right? Um, but he's got a new cause that he is championing that I am a big fan of. And I think that you should be too. So he's going to talk with us a little bit about that in a second. And then afterwards, I'm, I'm going to be giving, from my point of view, the parent-to-parent -parent talk about autism and the arts and why it's important. And why, if it's not a part of your program, I would really urge you to rethink that that arts are important, I think, for everyone. So why wouldn't it be important for individuals on the spectrum? And we'll, and I'm already having light failure. Um, but we'll talk about all those things and much more. I actually think the lighting is a little better without that. Why does everybody else think? But I already had a light die. Oh, well. Uh, working from home again. It's like old days, right? So Please write into the chat and tell me how you're doing. I'm going to go through a couple of quick things, and then we're going to show you this interview. And like I said, then we'll be back with a PowerPoint. Um, but I want to remind you that we're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. We This show will also be available in its entirety as a podcast later on today. And it's a free download wherever you get your podcasts. We are the number one rated autism podcast, and that's thanks to you guys because you liked you shared, you reviewed on iTunes, all those different things that you you do. I will tell you that um, <clears throat> we're making a big push right now. We're changing things up a little bit. We're really encouraging you to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, in the past, when you have subscribed, you would get a notification every time we posted a video. 
And we feel, I feel, I don't know, I want you guys to tell me that that's a little much. And so we're going to be metering that a little bit and, and, and just giving you guys the highlights of things that we think are, are super fabulous. But then once you click on it, you're there and you're on our channel and you can go through the myriads of videos that we've done over the last, my goodness, I think we're in our 12th year now. So um, anyway, I hope you guys will subscribe on YouTube because we've got, we're really building out our YouTube channel. We're doubling down with YouTube. They've got a lot of new things that they're offering us to help get our content to you guys. So it will be meaningful to you if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's a really great way to be involved with what we're doing. So uh, I also want to say that I hope all of you have been well throughout this. I've been thinking of all of you. Some of you have been writing to me during the pandemic, and I've been trying to answer questions on an individual basis as much as I could when I could. So uh, thank you for, for sticking with us. But first up today, you know, I always talk about experts, that uh, I'm not an expert, but I have an opinion, an informed opinion. Um, but sometimes we're able to bring you some of the top experts in the world. And I have to say that our uh, we filmed this two weeks ago with Dr. Graham Pichet, who I think is the preeminent expert in the field of autism, right? And with Austin Butner, who has so many areas of expertise that it's kind of amazing, But one of the best things is he's a really good person who cares deeply about people and he cares deeply about the youth of America and helping them to make the greatest strides that they can and be good people as well. So you're going to hear him talking about uh, Prop 28 in just a second, which is a uh, a really important uh, initiative that's on the ballot here in California. But... Excuse me. If you're not living in California, and a lot of times you guys think, oh, this doesn't have anything to do with me, I assure you that it does. And we're going to talk about that after this interview. But make sure you stick around for the other thing that he talks about, which is about vision for kids in the classroom. As I said, a really good person. But this Prop 28 thing, it's so much bigger than I think any of us can begin to realize. It's a real opportunity to turn things around to bring arts back into schools and make sure that it's funded across all of the different schools that there are, all of the different uh, disparities that exist right now in the education system. Good morning, Christina. So thrilled to have you here. So without further ado, let's take a look at this really, it's a special edition of Ask Dr. Doreen in the middle of, um, oh, Parker, yes. We do make, need to make sure that po- politicians fully fund IDEA. Yes, we, we will make sure that we remind them when we see them. But I want you to take a look at this proposition because I think that it has a definite impact on our community, not just in California, across the world. So take a look at this very special edition of Ask Dr. Dream. Welcome to a very special segment of our show this morning. I am joined right now by two amazing luminaries, or they're going to they're gonna have things to say about that, but they are. I am here with the amazing Dr. Doreen Grampichet and Austin Butner. We're welcoming him for the first time to the show. He is an American businessman who is so well known for his philanthropy and his concern for citizens and especially the youth of Los Angeles. He served as the very first ever deputy mayor of Los Angeles, and most recently he served as 
the superintendent for Los Angeles, uh, the public yeah. school system, LAUSD, it should roll off my tongue trippingly because my son is a graduate from that program. And just a side private note, I have to say a special thank you to this gentleman for steering the ship so efficiently during a pandemic because his leadership is why my son has a degree and is in college right now. So we have to say a special thank you for that. Also want to say that he has done many other things with his life that have been amazing, including being the publisher of the Los Angeles Times and starting his own uh, charity founder of Vision to Learn. We're going to ask him a little bit about that as well. But he's here to talk with Dr. Grampichet and I. Uh, about a very important proposition that is on the ballot this year, uh, coming up in just a couple of weeks here in the state of California. And before any of you go, okay, I'm not in California, this has nothing to do with me, let me assure you it does. Because you know we have seen this before, that as California goes, so goes the rest of the country, it, hopefully, right? And it does frequently. So first of all, I want to thank Dr. Grampichet for being here because you all know her and love her. She is the preeminent expert in the field of autism. So thank you for being here with us, Dr. Grampichet. Thank you, Shannon. It's uh, always a pleasure. And thank you for giving us this time on Autism Live. And I want to thank my dear friend, Austin. And Austin, thank you so much for joining us. And perhaps you can start it out by just telling us a little bit about Prop 28. Sure. And, and thank you, Doreen and Shannon, for having me. And it's a nice chance to uh, share with many what this opportunity presents for the 6 million public school children throughout the state of California. What Prop 28 aims to do is address and fix one simple issue, which is barely one in five public schools across the state of California have a full-time arts or music program. Barely one in five. Uh, and I don't think I need to spend too much time explaining to this audience why it matters, but research tells us attendance is better when students can participate in the arts and music. And by the way, when I say arts and music, I mean everything from song and dance and theater uh, to filmmaking and animation and everything in between. Uh, we know participation in arts supports children's social and emotional well-being, and I'm sure the doctor uh, can tell us more about that. It gives students a sense of belonging and a feeling of agency to express their thoughts and feelings. It helps lead to better academic outcomes, uh, and perhaps most important in the long run, prepares them for the jobs of today and tomorrow in the creative economy. So it's a good thing. It should be part of a well-rounded education. Sometimes people have a misperception that art is the other. It sprinkles mm -hmm. on top of an ice cream sundae after you've had a well-balanced meal. Well, actually, art's part of that well-balanced meal literacy, math, and the creative expression, critical thinking, problem solving that come with participating in the arts. So what Prop 28 will do is provide about a billion dollars each and every year forever to public schools in the state of California, which will more than double the number of people teaching in schools, uh, mm -hmm. giving school children a chance to participate in arts and music. It'll do that without raising taxes on anybody, which is a pretty good thing for those of us who live in the state of California. And what we've done is to try to come up with something which is as simple as possible. So the money will be allocated to every preschool through 12th grade classroom in the state of California with double the amount for students uh, from high needs families, in particular black and Latino children in, in low income communities. So we build in equity. We also build in transparency that every child in every school uh, will benefit from this. We give the power to the school community. 
So each local school can decide how this money will be used to build on whatever program they have or create a new program. The school decides, not some distant bureaucracy. Uh, the bureaucrats in Sacramento or in school districts can't take the money and send it somewhere else. Uh, and all we do and ask in return is transparency and accountability from that school, which can be shared with other school communities and shared with people in that school community. So each year, the schools have to prepare a report, which answers three very simple questions. What did you spend the money on? How is that aligned with state standards in the arts? And what impact did it have on children? And if you think about it, and I'm quite familiar, having been superintendent of the largest school system in the state of California, there's very little transparency in school spending. Uh, we know the state spends a significant amount of money, but not enough to provide arts and music. Well, why is that? Well, this will provide instant transparency in arts and music, and we hope will help with the sharing of best practices. Because if Doreen School has got a fantastic program in dance, uh, Shannon School community is looking for something, they can share. And so by putting the information in the hands of families, it gives them agency, it gives them the ability to choose what's best for their child and what's best for their school. So we're excited about this opportunity. It will be on the November 8th ballot, as you mentioned. Uh, we had to collect about a million signatures from people throughout the state of California to get on the ballot. And to give you some sense of the enthusiasm I think voters will have for this, we did that in less than 90 days. When you open your voter guide, you'll see on the left side of the page the arguments for the initiative. And the right side will actually be blank. It will just say, no argument was submitted in opposition. Right, and so while I'm not an expert on ballot initiatives in the state of California, it's the first time I can recall that there's literally no opposition. So look at what we're trying to do. And uh, I think it's a big, big opportunity for California to lead the way again in terms of providing a great education for children in our public schools. Absolutely, Absolutely. amazing. Congratulations. Dr. Grampiche, yes, congratulations. Dr. Grampiche, I wondered if you could just weigh in a little bit about how important the arts are for the population that's neurodiverse, because a lot of people watching this show have kiddos that are on the spectrum and in one way or the other. And I think all too often people have this assumption that there are too many other buckets you have to fill. You know, you're getting your ABA, you're getting your speech and your OT, and some people forget about the role that arts can play with this community. Talk a little bit about what you've seen across the span of your professional life. Absolutely. And I'll, first, I'll, I'll, I just wanted to comment on uh, you know, before we talk about children with disabilities, I think a lot of the research that looks at the effect of arts in general, a neurotypical population, not only shows that, you know, when you have arts in school, you have increased attendance. But aside from that, you have, there's a lot of research that shows that these children, all children are increasing their empathy they're doing better in areas of critical thinking, and it's even affecting memory and attention. And so, you know, take all of that and apply it now to the whole population of children with disabilities. And not only is it fantastic for these children to benefit from all of these kind of emotional well-being areas, but... Shannon, I, you know, you know, and I know a lot of our kids on the spectrum of autism don't really fit in right, with, with all the things their peers are doing. And when it comes to the arts, it happens to be one of the areas where they have significant strength. I mean, all, uh, you know, my office in, in Los Angeles is covered with beautiful artwork 
that has been done by individuals on the spectrum. Uh, music is one of those areas that a lot of our kids have unbelievable strength and they, they shine. So I'm very excited about this because I think that it'll actually give our kids, the kids, uh, whether they have autism or ADHD or other types of disabilities, it'll give them a chance to really show where they can shine and what their strengths are. And of course, this not only increases their, their um, possibilities in terms of social ability and interacting with other uh, individuals, other children, but it opens the world to them. Right. So I'm, I'm really supportive of this and I'm, I'm wonderful. It's fantastic. It's going to really make a difference in, in mental health and emotional well-being altogether. Wonderful. And so I think, Austin, if you wouldn't mind telling us, uh, what would you uh, like for people who are watching to do to lend their support? I mean, obviously you want to do that uh, in the ballot box, uh, but are there more things that we can be doing to support this? Yeah, I, I think there, there's the near term and the longer term. Uh, in the near term, we think this is a wonderful opportunity to create a brighter future for all children in public schools, mm-hmm. neuroatypical, neurotypical, all children. Uh, we got to get it passed. So spread the word, make sure your friend, neighbor know, vote yes on Prop 28, uh, and let's bring arts and music back to our public schools. In the longer term, I think the opportunity for school communities to show us all what good looks like, uh, this is an unprecedented opportunity for sharing good ideas across schools throughout the state of California. Uh, And I think the path in are these reports. So if you're doing something interesting and you think this is a way, as Doreen said, uh, to help students connect, uh, to give them a sense of agency, a form of expression, whatever that might be, share your ideas. Uh, and there will be 8,000 other schools throughout the state of California who might copy them. So near term, spread the word. Uh, Get a bumper sticker, wear a hat, uh, scrawl it uh, uh, on your front door, let everybody know to vote yes, because we need to make sure it passes. And we have a website. I'm sorry, I think we have a website too, that Traven, if you have the ability to put that up there, um, where you can find ways to support. And then I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead, Austin, tell us the- Well, I was going to say, but in the longer term, there really is an opportunity for all of the great ideas people have and all the great practices that we see with children to be shared. Uh, and I think as Doreen would tell us in practice, we all can learn from what someone else might be doing better than what we're doing. Uh, and this is a good way to share that. Uh, as you mentioned, there's a website, voteyesson28.org. Uh, please join us. Uh, please volunteer by spreading the word to your friends and neighbors. And most importantly, mail ballots drop uh, really the first week in October. So not long from now. Uh, vote early and often, as they say in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. I love that saying. Yeah, Shannon, just so you know, what, what will be dear to both of our hearts is that this program also supports screenwriting in public schools. Both of our sons, Austin, studied screenwriting. So uh-huh. that's, kind of an, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one, I think. We yeah, love yeah, yeah. that. No, one of the things that we've tried to do is build in flexibility for school communities and educators to look forward as to what really a comprehensive arts education looks like. Uh, It may be the traditional instrumental approach. It may be screenwriting and filmmaking. It might be Mm -hmm. something in between. Uh, And I I think this gives a way in for every child to be uh, more engaged in the education. And it gives a way in for all of us who aren't in schools 
to help. We brought together an amazing coalition of artists, entertainers, and people from creative industries. Frank Gehry, the architect, and Gustavo Dudamel, the conductor, and Chris Melodandry, the genius behind uh, uh, the Minions and Despicable Me, and Issa Rae, and Christina Aguilera, and on and on and on. Uh, and one of the things that we've, I wind up talking with each of them about is not just getting this passed, but how this is an open invitation for them to come in and collaborate with our kids. So I'd nice. expect to see the screenwriting programs that exist to flourish uh, and many, many more to be set up in the years to come because of this. Wonderful. Absolutely. In fact, you had Katy Perry uh, speak out about how important the arts are. You've got a lot of artists that are doing that. Um, and uh, we have that clip that we can take a, just a second and take a look at what Katy Perry had to say. So take a look at this. Hey guys, hey guys, Katie Perry, Perry here. I am a big champion of the arts. Um, it changed my life. It gave me an opportunity, an opportunity to express my feelings, um, work through some things, um, and just was therapy to me. And I think that the young kids these days are dealing with a lot of emotional stuff and to have an outlet like music and the arts and to be able to express themselves and whatever they're going through in their daily life is so, so important. There's freedom there. There is change. There is healing. Um, and I vote yes for arts and music 100%. Fantastic. And I do think it's important that we, we end this by making sure that people understand because it, it's very complicated this year with the propositions and there's a lot of airtime going to some other propositions that are in the high 20s. Uh, this is not that. Um, that. So we need to understand that this is Prop 28 and that a vote yes is saying yes to the arts. That's correct. You got it right. Uh, and Katie's clip reminded me, I asked uh, one of my children, uh, when, after Katy Perry said something supportive and Quincy Jones did, and I said, what does Katy Perry, Quincy Jones, and Austin Buner have in common? And my daughter, without missing a beat, said, absolutely nothing, Dad. Uh, <laughs> but we all do support Proposition 28. And as you said, Shannon, it's number 28. Vote yes. Uh, and let's make sure we together can create a brighter future for our kids in public schools throughout the state of California. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both for being here, and we'll make sure that we're talking about this more as we get closer to Election Day. And even if you live outside the state of California, now is the time to speak out about the arts. You can make a video like Carrie, Katy Perry did as well and let people in your, your neck of the woods know that the arts are important. Austin, thank you so much for this being your first time. I hope you'll come back another time. I'd love to. Thanks for having me and uh, really appreciate your support and your voice. Well, I, I forgot. There was one thing that I promised that we were going to talk about for just a second. Can you tell us a little bit about Vision to Learn? Sure. Vision to Learn uh, is an organization I started about 10 years ago now, uh, which provides children at schools and in low-income communities across the country now with the glasses that they need to succeed in school and in life. And Again, as most people know, or many people should know, about a quarter of children will naturally need glasses. Rich kid, poor kid, it's human physiology. But if we took a trip together into most low-income communities across the country, we'd see children without glasses. So Vision Learn solves the problem by bringing clinicians and mobile clinics to schools across the country, 500 low-income communities from Honolulu to Baltimore. 
Uh, we started about 10 years ago in Los Angeles, where I'm based. Uh, we now serve children from Honolulu all the way to Baltimore. Uh, and you'll see amazing things happen. Uh, you'll see when a child gets glasses for the first time, they will tell you that they now know what a tree looks like and where the leaves fit because they can see a leaf on their desk. But they would think a tree in the distance, a green blob, was a pea pot or something. Mm -hmm. They don't wrap for the leaves to fall out. Wow. Uh, children have told us they see grains and rice for the first time uh, and so on. But most importantly, Johns Hopkins tells us after four years of research, children do better in school. Cool. And the children who do the most best, if that's a phrase that's okay to use, uh, are children with learning differences and disabilities yep. uh, and those in the bottom quartile of the class, often the hardest to reach. And sometimes the challenge of needing glasses is just undiagnosed. Uh, children don't have agency, so a kindergartner's misdiagnosis a behavior problem. Uh, by fourth or fifth grade, they're often mislabeled as a slow learner, and by eighth or ninth grade, they might drop out looking for that connection or reward on the street that they're not finding in school. So we can solve the problem. We've helped uh, almost 2 million kids now across the country, uh, and our goal is to make sure in the not-too-distant future that every child goes to school with the glasses they need and if you put this in some context, right, there's a law in the state of California that requires every classroom to have the textbook that's appropriate for that child right. in the class they're taking. It's called the Williams Act. Um, there are federal programs which make sure that any child in need is getting a meal while at school. Also makes sense. This should be the same. Every child should go to school with the glasses they need to succeed, and uh, we're trying to do that. Vision to Learn, vision2learn.org. Uh, we're in many, many parts of the country, not everywhere. So if there are any listeners or viewers who uh, wish to have an organization like that, uh, not-for-profit for free, come help children in their local community, but please let us know and uh, we'll do our best to get there. Wow. Well, I just want to thank both of you because there are a lot of people who are watching that sometimes when your kiddo is diagnosed as being on the spectrum or being different in some way, it feels like you're alone on a planet by yourself. And I always say we have no idea the amazing, good people who are working so hard while we're with our kiddos. And you two are definitely those people. So thank you for the work that you do, both of you. And thank you. I know you're both busy. Thank you for taking the time to be with us to talk about this important initiative and vision to learn. We uh, hope to welcome you back again sometime soon. But thank you for the work in the meantime. Thank you. Thank you, Kramer. So it's lovely to have you, and I look forward to your next project after this. <laughs> Stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to be back with more Autism Live and Ask Dr. Doreen after these messages. Stick Welcome back. Uh, so no other messages. I, you know, I'm grinning like a, a silly person because it always uplifts me when I get an opportunity to spend time with good people who are working hard behind the scenes for folks like you and and my son, and uh, it 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 boosts me um, to know that someone like Austin Butner is caring that much that he's devoted his life and his time to make sure that all kids get a fair shake. So I absolutely love that. Now, Susie, you wrote in during the interview and asked, "Is there an art school for ASD children in Los Angeles?" And, uh, you know, it's a complicated answer. Uh, I will tell you that there is no designated arts school for K through 12 that is just for ASD, but there are many schools. One of the things that LAUSD, I think, does very interestingly that they have 
schools. They have neighborhood schools that your child can go to, but they also have magnet schools and charter schools. And the magnet schools have specific areas of interest that, you know, if your child is really very driven to want to do science, then you can send them to a science magnet where they're going to get all their core classes, but there's going to be more emphasis in the electives on getting you ready for a career in science. And then charter schools have their own um, individual directive and they work within LAUSD, but they're sort of like a community onto themselves. And my son went to a charter school. In his particular charter school, the focus was on being at the forefront of technology. So that was a part of it. But the biggest thing was that it was a college prep school, that everything that they did was towards getting you ready for college. And they, and they didn't double down on things that weren't. And so if you had a kid that your expectation was, I want them to be prepared for college, it was a great, great school to go to. We made that choice for him. I, I found that school when he was in third grade. And at the time when he was in third grade, it had this very robust arts program. Now, by the time he got there, the person who was running the arts program was retiring. So he was only there for one year and they were about to replace that person in the second year when pandemic hit and, you know, pandemonium and whatever. And the arts were not extinguished by uh, the pandemic, but it was certainly made more difficult. If if you only have a 12 pound bag and you already need to put 20 pounds of stuff into it, you start to prioritize. And unfortunately, arts started to go by the wayside. A lot of us, myself included, and my husband saw that need and stepped in. Much like what Austin Butner is talking about, we saw that the, the, the program that my son was in that they were having to focus on the academic stuff to get these kids ready for the SATs, but there wasn't enough time for them to be doing a play, for instance, and for a teacher to figure out how do you do a play on Zoom? Well, my husband and I stepped in and said, we know how to do that. And so we directed the senior play on Zoom in my son's senior year because we, you know, it's that, it, it's that community in motion. We wanted to make sure that they weren't getting shortchanged in terms of the arts. Um, so I will say that um, there are these programs that are very inclusive for kids that are, that have ASD. Now there, some kids need a more structured program than that. And there are schools in LAUSD school district that are ASD schools that are, um, I, I don't know that they are uniquely ASD. I think that they have a wide range of people who are neurodiverse, ASD being one of the things. Um, so there are those schools that are there. And there is, the sort of asterisk is that there are some programs that aren't at LAUSD in Los Angeles that are arts programs for kids that are funded by the regional center. So one that comes to mind that's very well known, <laughs> excuse me, um, is Extraordinary Minds, which is a program for students after they've left their um, grade school education. I don't think that they have to have graduated with a diploma, but it is a three-year program. It is an arts program. They learn rotoscoping for filmmaking and animation, and it's funded by the regional centers. So 
you know, it's very, very specific. I see. So you're in the Alhambra school district. Um, there are some very interesting things um, that are available to you, Susie, uh, that I will tell you. Um, one of the things that we're going to talk about as we talk about autism in the arts um, is exposure, exposing our kids to the arts and, and, and doing it very open-mindedly because you don't know what's going to excite them. And, and one of the programs that I loved was, uh, and I don't know how it has fared through the pandemic, but I would guess that at least part of it is back up in, in motion. The Pasadena Arts Council used to run, which is very close to you in Alhambra, used to run a really robust arts program for kids that every Saturday morning there was something Oh, your son could draw all day. Well, isn't that an amazing, amazing gift? Um, but Pasadena Civic Arts ran a program where every Saturday morning they would do some sort of an arts event where they would pay artists to come and do an in-service with students. And every week it was something different. So, you know, one week we went and it was um, Indigenous dance. And it was wonderful and, and so exciting. And, and the kids all got to get up and learn how to dance. Uh, and it was just really amazing. Uh, other times they would have the Philadelphia Orchestra do what they would call um, an, uh, a music petting zoo. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, what is a music petting zoo? Like I'm picturing a petting zoo where you go in and you pet the goat. How do you do that with music? Well, and obviously, you know, in the pandemic, I'm sure that they during, they're doing this differently. But even then, what they did was they set up stations all through this auditorium with people who play instruments and an instrument was there and the kids would have to wait in line. And they allowed us to wait in line for my son. He was just barely little then. But when you got to the front, you got to play the instrument. And then they would go through a process even then of disinfecting because, you know, if it was a woodwind, you know, it was this whole thing, disinfecting, whatever. And then you, you know, the next kid could play it and you got to go on and stand in line for the next instrument. And, you know, when you think about how amazing an opportunity that is for a kid, because, you know, you could normally what happens is if you've got an arts program at your school and you say, I want my child to play an instrument, somebody randomly picks an instrument for your kid, not based on what excites your kid, right? Um, but picks the instrument for the kid and then they may or may not succeed at it. And it's this whole thing. And maybe they're playing the piccolo, but what they really would have loved to have played was the bass drum. You know what I'm saying? I, I just loved Pasadena um, for this program. And sometimes it was a drawing thing where they would sit and they would draw and, and they would have an art teacher there with them. But I think if your son is drawing all day, what an amazing thing. Because, you know, later on today, we're filming an interview with Dr. Temple Grandin. And, you know, one of the things that Temple talks about was that as a kid, all she wanted to do was either play with the, the metal thing at the end of her bed or to draw horses. That's all she wanted to do was to draw horses. And her mother saw that and saw that there was a real affinity there. And her mother, you know, like pizza dough, stretched it and said, great, you can draw horses. You have to get your chores done, which means you have to go muck the stalls and you got to do this amount of homework, but then you can draw horses. But then she would push her and say, let's learn about the anatomy of a horse so that you understand how to draw a horse better. And let's learn about proportion 
and that, you know, the flank of the horse is this long and the, you know, so that it's in proportion, which set her up to do the technical drawings that she does, which are pieces of art. If you've ever seen her drawings of uh, a cattle, you know, to feed and slaughterhouse cattle, it, they're elegant. How can you say that about something that's a slaughterhouse? Look at one of them. They're elegant. Absolutely amazing. So um, in any case, um, it's all good is what I'm saying, Susie. It's all good. And I would guess that I don't know your son and what his other abilities are, but certainly by the time you get into high school, that there are programs that will that are open for kids that are on the spectrum that they can come with an IEP to a magnet school or a charter school and um, get the support that they need at that school while they're with other artists, which if your kid can hang for that with the right support, I think is ideal rather than being someplace where there are only people who are on the spectrum. Now, not everybody can do that. Um, but when possible with the right supports, we really want to be pushing for that. Okay. We're going to do a little, uh, PowerPoint here and we've only got 20 minutes to do it. That's okay. Cause it's a little bit on the short side, but <clears throat> I really think that, listen, the arts are what's important to me. It's not the only thing that's important to me, but it's one of the things that's most important. And it's the thread throughout my life that, you know, when I was a kid, I was a painfully shy kid. I was very highly imaginative and and a little bit uh, sensitive, I would say, but I, like I would cry at the drop of a hat, but I felt very much like I didn't fit in and and I was painfully shy. I was afraid to speak in public ever. And my mother, she would go and, and hear the, the teacher, you know, you go to the teacher conferences and the teachers would talk about me and say, oh my gosh, she bar barely speaks in class. She's clearly intelligent, but she barely speaks. And, you know, it's a concern. And my mother would go, what are you talking about? She doesn't shut up at home. And, you know, because I'm like, this is who I am. I can talk a blue streak, but I wasn't doing it with other people because I wasn't comfortable. And excuse me, one of the first things that happened to me was in first grade, I got put in a play in first grade and it changed everything for me because I no longer cared that I didn't fit in with everybody. I knew where I fit in. And I don't think that that can be understated for people in the arts. It is a place where you get to be yourself. And I think about that now for individuals who are on the autism spectrum, who are often made to feel like they don't fit in and they're different. I think it's a win-win for us to include individuals on the spectrum in the arts and to fully include them in all areas of the arts. So um, I'm going to see, Trayvon, I don't know which button to advance. I'm lost. So can you advance it for me? There we go. Okay. And I, and I wanted to say this at the beginning, I just brought up Temple Grandin that, you know, it'd be very easy to, you just heard Dr. Grampichet talk about how great the arts are for autism. You just heard Austin Butner talk about the research that's there across the board for, you know, the fact that kids attend school more and they learn more when the arts are involved. Right. But when we're talking about autism, I've got two great examples of people who speak out and say how much of a difference it made in their lives. Temple Grandin talks all the time 
about the fact that eventually her mother did community theater. And we've been so fortunate to have had Eustacia Cutler on the show many times. What an amazing, amazing, powerful mom. Uh, and she was someone who loved the arts. She loved the theater and was very involved in her local community theater. And she took all of her kids, including Temple. And one of the things that she talks a lot in her books about is creating a tribe for yourself and for your kid. That when you have a tribe, everybody takes care of everybody and you know what your place is and you feel that you belong. And how important that is for a parent of someone who is different uh, and differently abled and how important it is for that individual to be a part of, to feel like you have a community who surrounds you and is with you. And part of her community, part of her tribe was community theater and she took all of her kids to participate. And so that they, and she says, you know, it, you, you can teach so much through theater because there are so many different things. You could be the person who takes the tickets at the door. You could be the person who's painting the bush on the, you know, the, the scenery, or you can be the person who's in the background, you know, walking across the city scene, or you can be the person who's speaking or singing or running the lights, right? There are all these different roles and yet they're all valued and valuable and how important that was, uh, that she felt that having temple included in all of that gave her a basis to know what her tribe was. And temple talks about the fact that as she did more and more theater, she realized that sometimes it's okay to pretend that you know what you're doing. And it's okay to pretend that it's okay, even when you're nervous, that it gave her the confidence that she needed when she was presenting her portfolio to these men who had never seen a woman in the field that she was in before. It gave her the confidence to say, I'm going to pretend that I'm a very, you know, stalwart business person who, who knows how to present when she'd never done it before. That is a skill, a skill that comes with theater. And then, of course, Dr. Carrie Magro, who is an amazing speaker on the world stage right now, diagnosed with autism, um, and who, who speaks out about how important it is to give individuals on the spectrum their their right to be who they are and and to express themselves and he talks about how valuable theater training was when he was a kid that it gave him a safe place if you will not to quote dr phil but let's go there a safe place to fail that he could get up on stage and practice speaking and if it didn't go well guess what you could try the next rehearsal and do better and it was accepted. It was just accepted and he was accepted. So I love that straight from uh, their mouths, how important the arts were for them. But they're not everybody and not everybody is going to be on a world stage and going to be talking. And I can hear some of you saying, yes, but my kid is nonverbal. How are the arts going to help my kid? And I can tell you a million stories of kids that I have seen that have flourished when they found the art that helped them to express themselves. It doesn't have to be theater. Theater is my home. So of course I talk about the theater and, and how much it can uplift, but <clears throat> we've seen kids that are nonverbal that um, like are as affected by autism as anyone I have ever met. I'm talking about those cases that we don't talk about very often and that we should be talking about more kids who need so much support 
and where even the basic fundamentals of communication are a challenge every day with their caregivers. And I have seen some of the art that they do. Um, we've had before on the show, um, Nicholas Contaxis's mother and Nicholas is someone who I think would be deemed pretty profoundly affected by autism and has a, has a brain tumor, which is a, affects his ability to be able to communicate and do things. And he is a professional painter with, he does art shows and he does ginormous canvases. Some of you've walked into an office building, I promise you, or a hospital that has had a Nicholas Contaxis painting hanging on the wall and he's famous for it, Right. So, um, so please don't think that it's just for those level one people who are able to communicate fully and speak. The arts are amazing for everyone, no matter what your abilities, no matter what your deficits are. Christina, I love this. She says, my kid loves to draw when he draws, we can see what he sees of our world. Isn't that amazing? Because it is a form of communication. That is really what the arts are, a form of communication. Trayvon, can you advance? <clears throat> oh, maybe that's what I need to do that. Okay. So I put together a short list, and Dr. Grampuche had already talked about this um, during the interview, but here are just some of the things that we see happen when someone gets a chance to partake in the arts. They build things like confidence communication skills. And remember, communication is not just spoken language. It's everything. Your child, Christina, is communicating with you when he draws. And sometimes that's the purest form of communication with some of our kids, right? How about self-esteem of knowing that I matter and that what I do is impactful, right? The arts can give that. Self-regulation, my goodness, I know people that when when they're upset and they play the piano, they're like, I just need to sit down and work it out on the piano. I, that's, that's what I need to do. And you see that, that it is a self-regulation for them. I know other people, same thing with guitar, uh, painting. Right now I'm doing pottery. And, you know, when I, um, I'm all discombobulated, I go and spend some time on the wheel. And it's amazing how focused and zen I can get. And it helps me to self-regulate. It literally has been prescribed for my doctor because it lowers my blood pressure. So self-regulation, amazing. It can build our planning skills of, you know, like looking at things and deciding how we want to do them. It builds social skills. We know that. There's so many studies now that have shown that social skills are built through using the arts. Helps with problem solving and it helps to build the ability to work together as a team. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the Fortune 500 companies, when they're recruiting people, excuse me, uh, a lot of times they're looking for two things. They're looking for people who have been involved with a team sport because they know that then people understand that sometimes things get hard and that you have to pull for the team and you have to pitch in. So they love those skills. But the other thing that they look for are Do you have any um, abilities in the arts? Because they know that it's going to bring that flexibility of thinking and, um, you know, uh, that sense of calm um, and some mad skills. Uh, Music and rhythm and tones. Oops, sorry. I just missed, Christina, what you said, and then it jumped. Music and rhythm and tones help him to find his words. My son sings, but has a hard time finding words, but he can sing and it's beautiful. 
I love that, Christina. We, we've seen many people that, um, there are two people in my life that I know and love who stutter. And in both cases, it's very interesting what makes them stutter. In one person's instance, he can sing, never a stutter. And when he acts, the stutter is gone, unless it's a part of a character that he's playing, never stutters. Um, the other person that I know is someone who stutters, but is a lawyer. And when he gets up to be a lawyer and has all of his, he's not speaking from a memorized thing, but he can speak very effectively and never studies. The brain is a very interesting thing. And the connection between speaking and the brain mystifies a lot of people. I don't think we've found the be all end all answers, but we know that singing stimulates the vagus nerve, which helps with self-regulation. It helps with calming yourself. They, they're now prescribing it for heart patients, for them to hum and finding that, it, that they do better than if they don't, right? So I, I think that it's really wonderful and beautiful. And Christina, I'm just going to encourage you to double down on that. The other thing that I'm going to say to you is that there are some people that use a metronome um, when teaching speech for speech and language pathologists. And that might be something that you want to look into because the kids who sing sometimes uh, respond to metronome speech and language um, training really well. So that might be something for you to Google. Uh, and I'll see if I can get somebody on to talk about that. Um, Monique says, in New Jersey, my son is in the adult program at a private school, and each year the school has a major play production. My son has had leading roles for the past six years, and he is awesome. I love that. He just shines on the stage. I'm now in the process of finding a college program for animation, game design, and theater. Oh, I think you're going to find that. Can I tell you that <clears throat> I don't know if you'll find all three. I'm sure you can find all three. Um, but take a look at Danny Bowman because Danny Bowman went to Woodbury university for both her bachelor's and her master's de degree for animation. And I know that they have a game design program and I know that they have a very uh, robust understanding of autism and are very welcoming to students. So that's Woodbury university here in Los Angeles. Um, Interesting. And Christina says the new stem is a robot hum sound. You know that my son did that endlessly, Christina. Um, and we thought that that was never, ever going to end. And it, and it did when he was a little bit older, they were able to explain to him that noise is coming out of you and you could be making that noise in your head so that it would become a private thing. Um, but he had to be a little bit older to understand that. Um, so don't, I wouldn't worry about it too much um, because if it's helping to regulate him right now, I, I wouldn't worry about it. If the kids around him are complaining, that's the only time, that's when we started to really worry about it because um, we were afraid he was going to have his placement changed over it. Uh, okay, let's see if now I figured out where to advance the slide, Trayvon. So I think I got it. There we go. Uh, okay, so when we talk about the arts, there's so much to choose from. And I really think it's important that you not limit yourself or your kid when you're looking at arts programs and looking at things for them to do. And it really is like taking your kid to a buffet and letting them go and seeing, okay, you know, I've never personally made hearts of palm at home, but there goes my kid drawn to it. He put it on the plate. 
Then we got to the table and he might've hated it or he might've loved it, right? We just don't judge it. But giving your kiddo an opportunity to, what we're really looking at here is exposure, which is what I loved about that Pasadena arts program because it was about exposure, that my son got to see a lot of things. And just think for a minute about when you were a kid, like think about one thing that you saw that you went, that's really cool. Or one thing that you saw that made you change your mind and it changed your whole trajectory of your life, what you decided to do. I love to tell the story of Spencer Hart, whose mom is an amazing person. And she is so knowledgeable and eclectic and worked in the music industry with really heavy hitters. Right. And then um, Spencer, you know, she became Spencer's mom and Spencer was having a difficult time learning to speak. And there was one day that they were getting ready to go somewhere and mom had put the television on and there was, it was Phantom of the Opera that was playing on PBS. And she went into the other room to like do her hair or something. And Spencer was watching it and just broke into opera, operatic singing. And the mother was like, excuse me, what? Uh, I beg your pardon. And Spencer has now sung at the White House twice, has been invited as a guest of China to come and sing in China um, and is sung all over the world. Right. But sung at the White House twice. Come on now. And Spencer tells everybody she's all the time. It just makes me so emotional. She says, when I sing, the autism goes someplace else. Um, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And I kind of shake a little bit sometimes because I think what would have happened if Phantom of the Opera had not been on the TV? Like, what is it that your child might be drawn to, but they just haven't had the exposure yet, right? So <clears throat> I think it's important that we expose all kids to the arts. Uh, I grew up in an artsy fartsy town in Saratoga, New York, and the uh, Philadelphia Philharmonic would come to play at the, the amphitheater every summer. When I was a kid, Baryshnikov would come uh, with the New York City Ballet and you could go, you could pay $10 to sit on the lawn and watch Baryshnikov jump. I will never forget that as long as I live. And when I was a little bit older, I was an aunt way before I was a mom. I would take my sister's kids all the time and I would take them places. And I was always mad when adults would be there and be like, this is not an appropriate place for kids. And I would think you're an idiot because if you don't bring kids to the arts, then there aren't adults to go to the arts. They got to have exposure. And, and it's a great place to turn, teach them rules about, you know, when we're, when the when the play is going on, we don't speak at the stage, right? Sometimes it doesn't go perfectly, but we have to make room for all kids to be uh, in all different types of arts. But just look at some of the things that I put here on the smorgasbord. So there's theater arts, like what I was talking about with Temple. There's so many parts of this, right? You can be the actor, or you can be the playwright, or you can be the director, or you can be the person who puts the props on, on the table, right? You can be the person who takes the tickets. You can be the person who draws the poster. There's a place for everybody in theater, which is one of the reasons why I love it. How about the fine arts? You're doing painting or working with clay or, you know, any one of the many different things. Now, you know, who is the young man that's on the spectrum that does the most beautiful pictures? He tore, he would tear napkins constantly. And it kind of made his mother a little crazy. She was like, wherever we are, he wants to tear paper. 
And then uh, our teacher said, let's put that to good work and got him different colored napkins. And he makes some of the most beautiful 3D artwork you'd ever seen in your life. He has calendars that have been made out of the work that he does tearing paper. So, you know, it's like what we got to let go of all these preconceived notions about what it might be and let it be what it is. And let's take a look at what the kids get drawn to. And if you see something that they like, double down on it, you know? not to the exclusion of everything else, excuse me, writing. You know, when my kid was little, right, we thought writing was going to be the thing that he was never going to be able to do. We were, oh my gosh, how many BIPs did we have about writing because he would engage in challenging behavior when he was asked to write. Oh my gosh, whenever he had to write something, I would just like go, oh no, this is terrible. And eventually we shifted from handwriting to typing and it got a little bit better but it was still a challenge to get him to be able to write a sentence that somebody could understand. But we didn't give up. We didn't give up. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was in ninth grade, he had the teacher. You know, in, in the Temple Grandin story, she has the teacher who like ignites her heart and mind. And so now she wants to do science. My son had the teacher in ninth grade who was the English teacher. And he said, um, everybody's going to get an A because the thing is, is that you're going to write your paper and you're going to keep writing it. I'm going to make notes and I'm going to keep handing it back to you until it's an A. So you're going to get an A, which made it like the escape from the task couldn't happen before my son would just write something and he would turn it in and be like, it's done. Now, you know, it doesn't matter to me what grade grades don't matter to me. It's done. And this teacher was like, no, 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 no. Cause you're going to keep rewriting it. And then if you get an A, then you move on to the next assignment, right? And he believed in my son. And and there was something that he said that just clicked with my son. And now my son is in a screenwriting program. Uh, and that's and he says to me all the time, he goes, I found out who I am. I'm a writer. And he is. Uh, someday I'll read you some of the things that he writes. Um, but he's also a budding filmmaker. And I think that filmmaking is an amazing thing. And there are all different kinds of filmmaking, whether it's animation, live action, being the person who runs the camera, being the director, being the director of photography. There are so many different things with filmmaking. Let's not leave music out and all the different aspects of music, whether it's singing or playing an instrument or writing. Some of our kids are budding composers. Um, we have games that we've featured before about for budding composers, how they can take a set of music and rearrange it and different, Ooh, good stuff. And then of course there's dance expression through movement and all the different types of dance. We can't pigeonhole our kids and say, well, we tried the ballet thing. So we're definitely not doing the dance because maybe they're a salsa dancer. Or maybe they, we take them to the salsa class and what we learn is they're not really interested in the salsa class, but they're interested in the rhythm of that. And we further go down the rabbit hole with that and go, oh, they like to play the drums. Oh, take your kids to be in a drum circle, please. It's a really beneficial thing to do. So where do you find these things? Where can you, because you go, Shannon, I don't have this in my neighborhood. I don't know that that's true. Until you look, and you got to look under a couple of rocks. It's this time of year where, in fact, um, CSUN, the California State University of Northridge, has a resource fair every fall. And I think it's next weekend. Um, look around and ask at your school and ask anybody that you know, where are the resource fairs? They have them a couple of times a year. It's usually in the fall and in the spring. 
and they will talk about program. Like there are classes that are out there for you and for your kids. There are art classes. And usually they have, they say, we'll do one free class to see if your kid is a good fit. Take advantage of it. It might be that you don't ever go back. Who cares? They got one art class. It's exposure and exposure is what we want. So if you go to resource fairs, sometimes you'll find all the different things. You go, I didn't know there was a drum circle that my kid could go to. There probably is. They're pretty popular right now. You know, if you belong to any kind of a support group, whether it's Taka or something else online, ask those people in your group, hey, tell me all the arts programs that you guys know that are available. You're not going to be able to do them all in the first week, but, you know, try one and see what happens. And then, you know, in a couple of weeks, maybe you try another one or maybe you find your niche right out the, the gate. Also ask your school. Sometimes they're aware of programs or they have after school programs. Um, that's very possible. Churches tend to have these things. I just found recently a church very close to me has a children's theater program that I didn't even know about, uh, that was right under my nose all this time. And those kinds of programs tend to be very inclusive. They want your kids. You want to make sure that they have enough support to go and that you're communicating with the people and maybe sending an aide or family member that can go and be of support to them while they're there. But our kids belong there. So I encourage you to ask about that. And of course, community theater is another great place. It's for the community and your child is a part of the community. And I think it's good for you. Go with your child. And even if all you do is fold programs the first time, you'll find a tribe. And that's a really powerful thing. So look around. I'm sure there's a million other things. So one of the things that we talk about a lot here on the show is about everybody's ability to learn and everybody's right to learn. And one of the things that we've learned over the years, I always quote Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. He says, you know, we know that the most effective way of teaching someone is to give them lots of opportunity to, you know, you want to give clear instructions, but then you want to give them lots of opportunity to learn something. You want to give them pretty immediate feedback about how they're doing. So if, if you're teaching someone how to crochet, you're not just going to teach them once, you're going to teach them many times and you're going to say to them, yes, that is the stitch. Oh, look, that you see how you dropped that one? You're going to give them immediate feedback. You're not going to let them make a whole sweater before you go, you know, you were dropping your stitches, Right. So pretty immediate feedback about here's, you know, here's what you're doing right here. Try this, whatever. And then most importantly, let's not forget providing reinforcement so that when somebody is having a hard time saying you're doing a good job, when they're doing wonderfully, that we give them excitement and praise and things that are meaningful to them. This is the the formula for the most effective teaching technique that there is in the world. Lots of opportunity, a pretty immediate feedback and reinforcement. That if we do this, we can teach anyone almost anything or the approximation of it, right? So if you think about it, think about how the arts fits into this equation. So if I want to play the violin, well, I'm given some clear instruction. I'm told, take the bow and go like this on this string, right? And then I'm giving tons of opportunity to do it because what's the thing with the arts? We practice, practice, practice. We rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. So it's built into it already that there will be tons of opportunity to learn. And then we get feedback about it because the, the, I do it this way and it doesn't make the right noise. It goes instead of 
for the on the on the violin. <clears throat> it's pretty immediate feedback, and hopefully, I have a good teacher who's saying, "Oh, adjust it here," and then I get the reinforcer of it made the sound I wanted it to make, and I will get praise for it. And as I get better at it, people go, "That was good." So there's something amazing about the arts that the equation of how to learn is already built into it. And I think it's one of the reasons why it's so powerful. Sometimes when we're teaching math, I think that some people teach math well and use this formula, but a lot of people don't. It's very hard to do the arts and not follow this formula. We already know you're going to have to practice, practice, practice. You're going to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And that there will be feedback and there will be reinforcement. We're all trained to give the reinforcement. So it's one of the reasons why I think it's really powerful as a teaching tool. Um, And it's why I'm super into it. And then for me, this is the be all end all. Art helps people find themselves and their tribe. And this is vital and important for all of us. And of course, when we say all of us, that includes individuals who are on the autism spectrum. Why would we prevent them from all of this goodness? And the reason why often is that we don't have access and we don't have money. I will tell you that there are a lot of arts programs that your community is probably involved in. And if they really, truly don't have one, then you might have to do, and I've had to do this a couple of times, where the program that I needed wasn't available. And so then you start something. I wanted my son to be in the high school play and, and there wasn't uh, because of the pandemic, there wasn't the capability. And so my husband and I said, we'll direct it. And we did. And it was, you know what, can I be honest with you? We got more out of it than the kids got out of it. And the kids told us they got a lot out of it. It was delightful. It was so fun. So, so fun. So it's good for everybody. It would be good for your kiddos. It would be good for you. It does help you to find yourself and find your tribe. Um, so please, please, please participate in the arts and please don't forget prop 28. If you're here in California, there's so many propositions and it's so contentious this year. And I think it's really confusing and you might feel very strongly about one of the propositions that surrounds. Cause like, I don't know about you, but I've been home stuck in quarantine for two weeks and everything on television has been, oh, prop this, prop that, prop whatever. And they're all in the high 20s and it's all just at this point vanilla mush in my head. But don't forget, Prop 28. Prop 28 says we're going to make sure that there's arts in all of the schools. My son was in a school, a public school, not LAUSD. Uh, He was in the Saugus Union School District when he was a kiddo. And times were hard. And they had a, um, they had a choir. And um, because they had music classes and the choir director would come and teach music classes. But then if you wanted to stay after school, you could sing in the choir. And I had my son participate in the choir and people told me I was crazy for doing it. I didn't think so. I didn't think so at all. He participated in the choir and it was a real outlet for him. And he was so excited when he was in fifth grade, he was asked to go to the all County um, as a, you know, a a singer, a representative from his school. So all the schools would get together and it was the creme de la creme and he got asked to do it. And he was so excited and to see him, up on that stage with, you know, there were probably 300 kids on that stage 
And I couldn't figure out which one was my kid. They were all dressed in the same t-shirts. And I was, I kept saying to my husband, which one is our kid? I couldn't tell. And that was exciting to me because he wasn't having a behavior problem. He wasn't sticking out. He was singing with the other kids. He was part of a whole, which was a huge, huge thing for him that had not really been something that we ever thought was going to be attainable, right? So the next year he comes back to school and there's no choir teacher. And they tell us that they don't have it in the budget anymore. And I find out that the old choir teacher is now teaching across town in the school in the rich neighborhood. And she's one of two choir teachers in that school. True story. Uh, And I said, how can, we're in the same district. How can that school afford two choir teachers and ours can't afford one? And this is the kind of disparity that happens in schools across the country. Why are the arts funded at some schools and not others? And what this prop does is it makes the money available and they can't spend it on other things and they have to be accountable for it. And I tell you, when the money is there and it can't be spent on something else, they will spend it on the arts and they will be accountable for it and it will be life changing for those students. So Prop 28, I'm all down for. Um, There's no negative against it. And I hope that you guys will all support it where you are. All right, I'm out of voice and we're out of time. I am filming later on today with Dr. Temple Grandin about her new book. If you guys have any questions for Dr. Grandin, now would be the time to write to me, Shannon at autism-live.com because I'm putting my questions together this afternoon and I will be filming with her later on this afternoon. So I am so appreciative that you guys have stuck with us uh, throughout today's show, talking about this very important topic. We're going to be back with Ask Dr. Doreen tomorrow. Hopefully I'm going to be in more full voice. Uh, Let's keep on trucking, right? (laughs) All right. Thank you. And give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.